This morning, I went to the bakery on Larchmont and I bought Ryan two chocolate croissants. I bought myself a ham and cheese croissant for lunch, sitting downstairs with my son. And all of a sudden, he's like, this is a ham and cheese croissant. And I said, because that's mine, but that's not yours. <laughs> As he has it, like he's bitten into it. So you have a ham and cheese croissant minus a bite. Exactly. I could eat for breakfast. I love sweet. Like I love a donut. I love a muffin. Oh, no, what? Those do not a breakfast make. I need an egg sandwich or some sort of hearty protein something. Do you like yogurt? I'll eat yogurt, but a donut to me is dessert or a snack. That's what, or a, that's what Chip says too. Yeah, and Chip, but the and, same is yeah. like that almond croissant that I ate was not breakfast. It was my dessert for breakfast. Or like, like what a, would you call a cinnamon roll? That's dessert. No, that yes. is oat cuisine of breakfast. No, that is like, I'm a person who will order, I'll get an omelet and a pancake for the table. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, right. yeah, you got to balance it out. You get your no, protein and you get your... Yeah. But I don't do the other way. I like will not order pancakes as my meal. Franklin will, he will. I will not. This is all going to be at the very beginning of the episode. I'm completely aware of that. <laughs> I look forward to hearing from the listeners. Sweet or savory breakfast. Or breakfast at all. Some people are or breakfast just, at all. No, because I won't have breakfast sometimes. It depends. Anyway. Anyway, I'm Jason. I'm Brett. And Gainer Gear Gaze. 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 Oh, okay. That was terrible. We have to do it again. I'm and Jason. I'm oh. Brett. Okay, we'll do it again. Here we go. Got it. I'm Jason. I'm Brett. And we're, and we're Gaze, Gaze reading. reading. We need to work on that. Happy halfway through the year. Halfway through the year. I can't believe it. Time flies when you're reading books and yeah. having fun. Welcome back to our listeners. Welcome back, everybody. Those of you who stuck around. We're now we, up to six. We're now up to six. Our husbands and this is the and one my mom will listen to. And then she'll stop listening. And then... And random FOG, friend of gay, who has yes. decided to try it out. Exactly. Thank you, friend of gays reading. We need Thank our gay so reading much. allies, too. That's exactly right. If uh, you're not a gay reading, you could still be an ally reading. No, exactly. If you're not a gay reading, be a gay reading supporter. <laughs> okay. Do you know what that's from? Do you know what? No. no. You're, are you trying to pull out Greece? Yes. Thank you. Did you like that ding? If you can't be an, be athlete, an athlete, be, be an, an athletic, athletic supporter. supporter. Right. Bing, oh. bing, bing. With Dodie there. Yes. So Did you good. like how I called that out? I like that. Yes. Thank you. I just saw a meme recently on Instagram. It was like, you're never going to read all of the books that you own. So don't stress about trying. And reading that, I, my response was, watch me. I know. <laughs> I saw that same thing. And I thought the same thing, too. And I was like, what do you know? Audio helps. You know I what know. I mean? The reality it, is that it's totally right. I'm not going to, but no, I, I, I want to think that I will. Yeah, no, it's exactly true. And I would sometimes go back and I'd be like, what the hell did I buy this for? But that's another episode. That's another episode. What the hell did I buy this for? That's the All right. Title. So we are going to talk about, since we are halfway through, I think we've narrowed it down to five choices each of what our top reads yes. of the year so far has been. We don't know which what each other picked. For no, all we, we know, it's the same five, although I'm sure it won't be. But I do Wouldn't wonder if we have any overlaps. Um, I put mine in alphabetical order by author last name. Oh, do you want me to do that? You don't. You could do it however you want, Brett. I could do the same thing. I can follow your lead. Let's see if I can alphabetize. Do I still remember how to do that? Okay. I know. Thanks to our English teachers. Exactly. 
All right. I think I'm actually, because I, as I said to you before we started this today, I have had six sitting here. So right now I'm making the executive decision of what's getting knocked out. You could tell us six. Hey, that could be the uh, bonus. Okay. I'll do the last one as a bonus. For me, the, mine are like not in a particular order. I really was moved by all of these. For those who didn't listen to our first episode, first of all, Go back and listen to it. How dare you? We talk about really fantastic LGBTQIA plus books and recommendations. But I also mentioned that I'm a late in life reader and I, Brett talks about this too, how we both, things will stay with us when a book resonates. And so these, I will say, are the top five books that have just stuck with me since the beginning of the year. And so... I'm anxious. Should I dive launch in? Launch in. Like, yes, launch okay. in. I want to know. So my first is Mame by Jessica George, mm-hmm. which, oh, I loved so much. So here's a brief description. After a loss, a young British woman from a Ghanaian family reassesses her responsibilities. Her name is Maddie, but the young protagonist in George's engaging coming-of-age novel has always been known in her family as Mame, meaning woman. Now, I could, that is not obviously the full description that is listed on the back of the book or the jacket of the book, but I don't want to give anything else away. I just, Maddie is such an easy character to fall in love with and root for and care about. And I just, I was so in love and rooting for her. And I think I I devoured this book in such a short amount of time. That is something too, I will say about these books all of them, really. The, one of the themes is that I read them quickly because I just couldn't put them down. That's and a good tell of a book that you love. I actually, I have to say, I love this book too. One of my, it's not one That's of okay. my That's five okay. leaning towards six, but it's definitely up there as one of my tops of the year. I thought her voice was so distinct and yes. I was so with her through this whole journey. I just loved her so much. I loved her. Why don't you go? You tell us. Okay. So my, yes, alphabetically. And I have to say, I was a little surprised by these because I will just say this, a little preview. Two of my five would almost be listed as thrillers, which are not always, Mm -hmm. I used to love thrillers were my big thing for a while. And I, but I've changed, not changed a lot, but both of these are so good. And the first is S.A. Cosby's All the Sinners Bleed which I have to just read you this little bit about it. Titus Crown is the first black sheriff in the history of Sharon County, Virginia. In recent decades, Quiet Sharon had only two murders, but after years of working as an FBI agent, Titus knows better than anyone that while his hometown might seem like the land of moonshine, cornbread, and honeysuckle, secrets secrets always fester under the surface. A year to the day after Titus's election, a school teacher is killed by a former student and the student is fatally shot by Titus's deputies. As Titus investigates the shootings, he unearths terrible crimes and a serial killer who has been hiding in plain sight, haunting the dirt lanes and woodland clearings of Sharon. Okay, this thing, first of all, I love S.A. Cosby. He's a go-to author for me. I think he's amazing. I will say this book, it's by far the best thing he's written. It will grab you from the first sentence and not let go. This character of Titus is one of the best characters of the year to me. I'm not going to lie. It's brutal. It's violent. But holy crap, it's a fantastic book. Wow. I mean, that sounds so good. I don't know that I can handle it, but uh, I I should give it a shot. Yeah, it's great. All right. What's next up for you? What's next for me? 
I'm embarrassed to say some of these books. I was saying before we started that some of them just feel a little on the nose or I've come up with my list within the last couple of weeks. They've been swirling in my mind and I'm seeing best of lists so far coming out. Yeah. And, and some of these books are on those lists and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm a copier, but I'm not. These no. books were just that good and are worth shouting out. So the next one for me is Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. And again, I don't want to give away too much, but so I'll just read a vague snippet. An exquisite homage to Louisa May Alcott's timeless classic, Little Women, Hello Beautiful is a profoundly moving portrait of what is possible when we choose to love someone not in spite of who they are, but because of it. And it is this family drama perspective from different siblings, from different sisters. And I was so taken by it. It's a little slow. And I think some people had a hard time getting through the book. But for me, I just couldn't wait to keep learning about these sisters and their dynamic and the story. And obviously, if you know the story of Little Women, it's not it's not a plot point by plot point adaptation, but it definitely has these sort of contemporary Little Women vibes. And if you do know some of the bigger plot points of Little Women, then you might get a, a moment ahead of the book at points, but you fall in love with this whole family and I loved it so much. Okay, now I've jumped my alphabet because I will say this was our probably our crossover that yeah. Hello Beautiful was also on my list. Yay! That doesn't um, surprise me. I'm going to preface this by saying I liked Dear Edward. I didn't flip out over Dear Edward. A lot of people did. I thought it was a totally solid book. This I love. I will also add, I listened to this and Maura mm -hmm. Tierney reads it. And for those who don't know, Maura Tierney was on ER for years. She's been around forever. She's, she's one of those consummate. people that if you Google her, you see her picture, like, oh, yeah, I know who that You'll is. You'll immediately know who she is. She's a consummate actress. And her voice, oh my God, she just read this thing so beautifully. I loved it. And I loved almost all of these characters uh, and I got mad at them. I was having reactions to them. I, I'll just say, and for those of you who read it, and obviously, Jason, I loved William so much. And I found myself in a puddle by the end of it. I know. It was just, and it was special. And I think to those listening who, are, who don't know what Dear Edward is, Dear Edward is Anne Napolitano's 2020 novel, the story of a 12-year-old boy who's the only survivor of a plane crash. And it's been recently adapted into a TV series on Apple TV+. So just a little editorial there. And not that great, sorry to say. Oh, womp womp. I didn't, right. I honestly didn't read the book, nor have I watched the show, so I can't speak to that. But I love Connie Britton and I love Jason Kato. Me too. Me In fact, what you can't see because it's faded right now, but the t-shirt that I'm currently wearing is a Dylan Panthers t-shirt, which my is, oh my which, God, which is the fictional football right. team of Jason Kato's TV series, Friday Night Lights. Right. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Yeah. Can I just say that my favorite thing you just said was, and you can't see it right now because it's faded out. Actually, they can't see it because this is not no, video. Our listeners certainly can't see it. But you. You meant me. You meant me. We are videoing right now. You can't see it. Yes, I know. It's totally faded. But so I'm a big Jason Kadams fan and in turn, Honey Britain fan. But Ugh. so I'm willing to give it a shot. But I'm sorry that you were not. Yeah, it's not. But, but yeah, but Hello Beautiful 
it's so funny that you just said that and it made me think of something else and it just went out of my head when I started to speak something about the book and I don't remember. Because you're old. You're older than me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to, we're going to beat that dead horse. Side note, let's just say really quickly, I think it's fascinating. This is an homage to Little Women. We have Barbara Kingsolver, who just won the Woman's Prize, as well as the Pulitzer for Demon Copperhead, which is the updated, her like kind of contemporizing of Damon Copperfield. David Copperfield. And then we have Ann Patchett's Tom Lake. Tom Lake, which is an homage to Our Town. So it's interesting, all in the same year that these writers are coming out with these throwbacks to classics. The other thing that's very interesting, not just throwbacks to classics, but we're in the publishing cycle right now where authors would have started writing the books in mid-2020. All of the books that are coming out right now are the, I I wanted to make myself feel better during COVID. So it's fascinating what is hitting the shelves these days. And I think you can see it in the kinds of books that are resonating. Yeah, Um, I agree. Okay, so next, it's funny, I clearly hit a lot of the back end of the alphabet. So for me, my next book is The Rachel Incident by Caroline Mm. Donahue. And Mm -hmm. I just was so taken by this book. I'll read a little bit more about this, even though I don't want to give too much away. Um, But I think it's a little quirky and is maybe needs a little bit more of a push. So let's I want everyone to make sure to read it because it's so charming. Rachel is a student working at a bookstore when she meets James and it's love at first sight. Effervescent and insistently heterosexual, James soon invites Rachel to be his roommate and the two begin a friendship that changes the course of both of their lives forever. Together, they run riot through the streets of Cork City, trying to maintain a bohemian existence while the threat of the financial crash looms before them. So begins a series of secrets and compromises that intertwine the fates of James, Rachel, Fred, and Fred's glamorous, connected bourgeois wife, aching with unrequited love, shot through with delicious, sparkling humor. The Rachel incident is a triumph. And I cut out the part of who Fred was, but you'll have to read it to learn who that is. But it just was so, for me, it was fun. And it's this young woman. It's like a it's like a contemporary coming of age in Ireland. She's such a mess. Life is falling apart and she's clawing to get her, pick herself up. I felt like I knew Rachel. I felt like she and I were buddies. I felt like I was James. It was just such a joy to read. It's both silly and literary and reminded me of the tv series starstruck um, formerly hbo max and so starstruck it's there are similar vibes but it's just so fun and charming and yeah it was a joy to read and really stuck with me yeah i really liked it too it's not one of my and so this you don't group. have to keep qualifying. No, I'm just saying because I no, I only say that because people. I'm so I know a different choice, yes, but yes, I will yes. say I really liked it. And I know we've had this conversation before, and you referenced Starstruck, and to me it was, and I have not seen Starstruck yet, although I hear it's fantastic. To me, it was very Fleabag, yes, it, and that's what she reminded me of. And I hope, like, I'm sitting here thinking about it. Because I don't know what the status of the book is in terms of if the rights have been snapped up. What I hope is that it's not bought by some American producer who wants to adapt it and set it in Boston. I hope that they keep it authentic because it feels like, do you remember like in the 90s, there was all those working title films like Four Weddings and a Funeral, 
Julia Roberts was like the star of half of them with my, the one where she was, it's my yes, best friend's wedding, like, I think was that, but also Notting the one Hill. With Notting Hill. Right, it's of that course. feeling to me. Yes, yes. Which are these films that have incredible actors, are authentic to their place, and they're usually these small towns outside of London, and they have so much heart to them, and that's what this book has to me. Yeah, totally. It feels very, like, indie Irish. Yeah. Yes. And, and I know some people have compared it to Sally Rooney, and I think that does such a disservice to Rachel Incident because it's not, it's so much quirkier and it's just a different style of storytelling. I That's agree. Not, Sally Rooney writes beautiful books. It has nothing to do, they're just comparing apples to oranges. I agree. And I think Rooney is a darker kind of angst to me. Right. And this has certain moments that are certainly dark, but. It's not the overall tone of the book at all to me. Right, exactly. I think Fleabag is such a great comp. Yeah, because you're laughing at times and then something happens when you're like, oh, this is, this is hitting. Yeah. All right, all right my next is another thriller per se, which is Small Mercies by Dennis Lehane. Again, Dennis Lehane, like S.A. Cosby, is a go-to author for me, but it's been a while since I've picked up one of his books. To sum this up really briefly, in 1974, some of the schools in inner city Boston were integrated and it created an uproar in the white community because they did not want these black kids to be busted and brought into their schools and vice versa and have their kids taken to the other schools. So this woman, Mary Pat Fennessy, is very much against her daughter being bust. On the eve of this all taking place, a black man is found murdered outside of one of the train stations and Mary Pat's daughter was apparently one of the kids who were seen with this guy before he died. So it sets off a series of events that drives this novel. It is a frickin' freight train. And I will say, much in the way that S.A. Cosby's Titus is such an incredible male character, this Mary Pat is one of the best characters I've read this year for a woman. I can't for even- For a woman, she's pretty good. Oh my God, oh my God, that sounds <laughs> awful. Yes, but what I'm no, saying no, no, is, right. female, it's one of the best female characters I've read. Strong female character, yeah. Strong, strong doesn't even begin to touch into this thing. Imagine like Frances McDormand, inner city Boston mom, who is like complete powerhouse, kick-ass, not afraid of anyone and you'll get this woman i was i was blown away and it's i will say for those who know dennis lehane it's dennis lehane through and through oh my god i loved it so much it has been on my radar and i'm so excited to check it out i'm glad that it was on your list yeah it's great all right next for you next for me i didn't bring this up in our last episode because i knew i was going to be talking about it in this episode or frankly didn't bring up this author even but my next one is the celebrants by stephen Rowley. Wow. It, for me, was a bit of a slow burn. And once it got the gist of the book, was like so in it. So this is, The Celebrants is a deeply honest tribute to the growing pains of selfhood and the people who keep us going. Coupled with Stephen Rowley's signature human and heart, The Celebrants is a moving tale about the false invincibility of youth and all the beautiful ways in which friendship helps us celebrate our lives even amid the deepest challenges of living. It's these friends who meet in college and they go through a tragic event together and they start a pact where they decide to have these living funerals for each other. 
and they're allowed to enact the pact at any time in their lives. And they have this conversation when they're 22 years old. And this takes us through their friendship over the course of the next 30 years. And it's really special and charming. Stephen Rowley, I think, is a great example of a gay author right now who is, I don't want to say, I don't want to call him an activist, but all of his books have queer characters. He writes what he knows, but I think also it's important to him to have to make a mark on the zeitgeist. And I think that's a really cool thing, too. And his book, The Gunkle, that came out a couple of years ago, also was very special. And so yeah, that, The Celebrants, for me, I just think. And The Celebrants isn't really a gay book. There are gay characters in it. But it's the story of chosen family and what we do to each other, what we mean to each other. Yeah, I like that. I'm kidding. I didn't read this yet. So there you go. And I, but it's funny because it's one of, I'm staring at it right now because it's on my, it's been on my TBR to be read this month. And I was just thinking as I was finishing up the book I'm reading, I was like, is that going to be my next? I love him so much. And the gunkle was just so wonderful. So I'm excited about it. And that, and isn't this his kind of, in a way, homage to the big chill? To the big chill. Yes. So fans of the big chill will enjoy the celebrants for sure. So my next monster was Covenant of Water by Abraham Verghese, which is also Oprah's choice, Mm -hmm. uh, has been her last month's choice. But I did a really cool thing. And I read this with uh, almost 45 people. I started a group on Instagram just thinking like, all right, this is massive. I'm not going to be able to sit here and read this whole thing in one. Maybe you don't have accountability. Yeah. And so what I did was, and I had done this before with another big book, and I thought, I'm just going to break it down into 30 pages a day, and I will propose this to people. And it was a manageable thing that I thought I can get up and read 30 pages. And it was really an amazing experience. This is a fantastic book for a reading group or a book club, because there is so much to unpack here. Oprah thought so too. Yes, clearly. To give you a quick summary of the book, it's from the New York Times best-selling author of Cutting for Stone comes a stunning and magisterial epic of love, faith, and medicine set in Kerala, South India, following three generations of a family seeking the answers to a strange secret. I've heard some people say that this is actually a fable, which I don't quite understand that assessment of it, Mm. because certainly this strange secret that is presented early on in the book would feel fable, but it all becomes, it gets explained through the course of the book and it's all grounded and real. I was so swept up in it and it's big. I'm not going to lie. It's so not to be that guy, be that guy. Is it worth the 723 pages? Okay. So this is my question for you. Is it meaning worth the investment or did it need to be that long? Great question. I think I'm asking both things. I find every once in a while, if I read a big book, I get frustrated because I think more about how the story could have been told in fewer pages. And that takes away, for me, the experience of the greater good. My husband's favorite book, one of his favorite books, is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Mm -hmm. And last year, for the very first time, we've been together almost 10 years, and I finally was like, okay, now that I'm a reader, we'll read East of Eden. And I had a very difficult time getting through the book for two reasons. Reason one, Steinbeck 
is the writing is beautiful, but every single sentence is a full meal. And so it's exhausting to read sentences Mm. that every single thing has a really deep meaning to it. And so while on one hand, it's really beautiful. On the other hand, it makes it very challenging. That said, I also felt like the 600 some odd pages, the story was too thin for that interesting I was like, okay, I don't need three chapters where we're talking about the beauty of the land or whatever. So did you feel like Covenant of Water? Were you like, oh no, this felt, I felt the value of all the pages. It was worth making my way through it. And it should have been. Yeah, first of all, yeah, first of all, it's decades long. So you're covering a Mm. lot of ground. It's not, it's not like one generation. You're dealing with generations. Mm -hmm. So there is that. I did feel in all honesty, there's a final section that didn't have quite the resonance that the earlier sections had. However, I understood what he was doing because he was pulling the threads together to bring it all together. So I did feel Mm -hmm. like everything needed to be there. I will also add two things, though, and say, I did a lot of this on audio, and he reads it, which was amazing, hearing him read his own words I also think parsing it out really helped. I don't know what the experience would have been like to me if I said, I'm going to read this and finish it in seven days versus we were doing it over three weeks and it became manageable and something Hmm. that I think for a lot of us, we were looking forward to. So I did feel personally that it was worth it and I had the patience for it. it. If you're someone who is plot driven and need things to be immediately there, then it's probably not going to be the book for you. Hmm. But if you allow yourself to have the patience and allow yourself to be lost in the story and the characters, I I think it's my masterpiece. That's terrific. No, and I think that it's good to sort of, A, understand the kind of reader that you are, but B, take some risks and push your own boundaries as a reader. And I think length of books or genre of books can be great ways to challenge yourself as a reader. I also think for a lot of people, too, there's a need to to read so much. So mm-hmm. how much will that slow you down if you're mm-hmm. reading something that's longer? Which is, again, why this worked. It was almost like serializing a television show or a movie that I would have a little 30-page episode and then go on and 30-page. So that kind of worked. I should do You've read it. I have not read it. I should do that with our gays reading listeners. I should do a read-along with them. Oh, of this? For people who are interested in reading it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it literally, it was an easy, I can send you the breakdown. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So anyone who's listening, who's interested in reading The Covenant of Water, we can read it. I'll read it with you. We'll do it together. And then maybe do a Zoom or something where you all discuss. Yes. So what was your last? So my last one, I feel like it's going to come as a surprise, but I read it and loved it. And I still think about it all the time, but it is... Big Tree by Brian Selznick. Wow. I'll just read a line because I don't want to say too much, but the fate of all life on Earth may depend on the bravery of two little seeds in this epic adventure from the number one New York Times bestselling author and Caldecott medalist of the invention of Hugo Cabret. So Brian Selznick wrote, I actually think he pronounces it Cabret, Hmm. the invention of Hugo Cabret. As in life Uh, is a... Life is a cabaret. <laughs> if you've read The Invention of Hugo Cabaret, mm-hmm. you look at it and it looks massive. Talk about huge books. But when you open it, you realize that that it's 
pictures. And it's not just pictures. It's these meticulously sketched, pencil sketch drawings that sort of illustrate the world. And it's, Big Tree had a very interesting origin where Steven Spielberg had this idea for a climate change film, basically, from the perspective of nature, and had this idea about these seeds and how they float around the earth and what their life is. And he enlisted Brian Zelznick to write the screenplay. Like during COVID, the film got scrapped. And Brian asked Steven Spielberg if he could move forward with the idea as a book. And and Steven agreed. And so it really has this sort of cinematic feel to it. And it feels like a Pixar movie, if I'm being honest. But it's this really beautiful story of these seeds, their life over thousands of years. And it's told in pictures and in dialogue And the book itself is just, it is gorgeous. I can't stop thinking about it. It makes you think, it makes you feel, and is also really rooted, no pun intended, in science. And that was important to him. Everything, like the seeds don't have faces because seeds don't have faces, right? Things aren't anthropomorphized, but trees, nature can talk to each other in like the way things in science we don't necessarily understand as humans, but they are talking to each other. So that it has really, it has stuck with me and it's really special. And I feel like it's not necessarily in the zeitgeist much at all, but it's also, it's a young adult book. It's really, it's a book for the whole family. It's a really perfect, very charming, inspiring and infuriating story. That sounds amazing. The world. Yeah. Like no, it tends that. to, I, and I had no idea, like the, hearing the genesis of it in the background that, yeah, and I, it's, I have all of his other books just because they are so beautiful. And they're one of those things yeah, where like, so you just, beautiful. you just want to have them in your library because they're gorgeous to look at. Funny, I've seen it at the store yeah. and, and now I'm absolutely going to get it because that, oh my God, it sounds beautiful. It is. And that's my last one. Yeah. All right. My final one, and this could be my favorite book of the year, spoiler Whoa. alert. We'll see, but it's it is in memoriam mm. by Alice Wynn, a haunting, virtuosic debut novel about two young men who fall in love during World War One, dazzling and wrenching, witty and wildly romantic, with echoes of Brideshead revisited and atonement. Now that was actually Lev Grossman who wrote The Magicians. That was his blurb about the book, but I would agree with all of that. Alice Wynn has written this absolutely stunning book about these two young men who are at an English boarding school who find themselves falling in love with each other, which is its own thing because of all the reasons. But then the war happens and one of the men enlists and goes to the front lines because that was the thing. And you were expected to do it and it was heroic and you were fighting for your country and these kids, and that's what they were kids, were going to the front lines and being decimated. But when this first young man goes to the front lines, the other one is terrified he'll never see him again. So Mm -hmm. follows him and what happens? Oh my gosh, it is so incredible. It's so absolutely cinematic at times. It's absolutely gorgeous writing, even when she's 
so eloquently describing the carnage that's going on around them. I don't know. It completely blew me away. And the way that she describes these two men, these two young boys and their own personal histories that led them even to where the start of the novel is. And it's not a thing where they're starting in their lovers. And that's not it. It's very much they're at odds. It's not a will they, won't they either. It's just that that they're falling in love with each other. It's just not been named by them. And so to feel that tension. Yes. So there's almost this undercurrent of sweeping romance that's balanced out with, she quotes Tennyson a lot, which becomes very integral to it. You know, it's so funny. So many books on your list have been on my to-read list for so long now that I'm... Oh, interesting. I'm excited. I'm glad that they have your stamp of approval. I'm so glad they do too. When do they (laughs) announce... The Booker, I don't think, is announced till August, I believe. Oh, sure. That's and, soonish. Yeah. And so that's another thing we can speculate in another episode about who we think is possibly going to be on that Booker list. I hope I read at least some of them. It was like the Women's Prize that just happened. I ended up reading the short list because I didn't, I read about half the long list before it is announced. And then I read the, sh- the short list. But yeah, see, this is why I'm not a bookstagrammer, capital B, because I don't commit to those sorts of things. There are so many people who commit to the bookstagram thing where they're like, I want to read all of the, these winners and those winners and the long list and the short list. And the, there are so many prizes. There are too we many. Should, we're going to do a gaze reading award one day. We will. We'll That's do a gaze a, reading prize. I can't wait to hear what the subjects are. <laughs> All right. And then I do want to mention the one. Oh, yes. Almost, your special this is what, mention. This is a, and part of it was I had to look back because this was published the first week of January. And oh, I actually. I think I know what you're going to say. You know what and it is. I thought the literally the same thing is on. It's my number six, too, if I had to pick one. And I read this in December. So I that's what threw me off. And I was like, wait a minute, which is Age of Vice by Deep T. Kapoor. Yeah. Which is a phenomenal novel. This is the age of vice where money, pleasure, and power are everything. And the family ties that bind can also kill. It's set in New Delhi. Imagine to truncate it, it's like The Sopranos, but it's a very wealthy family. It follows effectively one of the sons. He's the centerpiece of the story. But it's Epic. And it's going to be multi-books. It's not just one. I know. I think it's one of, I think it's three. I think you're right. A whole series. Wait, so it's so interesting because we were just talking about pushing boundaries. And for me, this was, this is like not nothing like I would typically pick up, like a essentially mafia book. And I also devoured it. It's just under, I think, 600 pages. There's a lot going on. I will say I had a hard time with the ending because it felt to me a little rushed and i think i was expecting there to be some more twists and turns but those never came it really sets up what it sets up what will be future books it absolutely does almost to a point where you wondered if she could have kept going but it was like okay i'm stopping here it was like such a it was almost like a soap opera cliffhanger yeah you know what i mean and i have to wait another year or two years to get the next installment i want the next book to come with a on the last episode of age of vice i know i know i can't read 600 pages again and just no or just to remind myself but it's funny that you say that about cliffhanger because cliffhanger 
and plot twist are two different things, right? I wasn't necessarily shocked by what was happening, but I was like, oh, what's going to happen next? And it's just over. You're right. It does feel like the story can keep going, but it doesn't. And I'm very optimistic that I will, my spirits will change once I start reading the next book because I just loved it. Loved being in that world. I agree. Um, And I remember thinking at the time, reading it in December, if this is what the new year has in store in terms of quality of books, like it's going to be an amazing publishing year. And frankly, I, for me, it it has been a pretty decent year. Yeah. My TBR is staring me in the face. I have so many books that I'm excited to read, including a bunch of the ones that you mentioned today. I'm curious to hear from our listeners. What are you reading? Literarily shoot us an email. Mel, gazereading at gmail.com. Find us on yeah, Instagram also, at gazereading. And if you read any of these, what were your thoughts as well? Yes. What were your thoughts? Tell us if you loved them or hated them. Argue our points. Yeah. Because we maybe we're wrong to you. Exactly. Maybe you hated every book that we said. Everyone get excited because on our next episode, we're going to talk to an author. And thanks for listening. Go buy your books at independent bookstores. That's right. Follow us, like us. If you're loving what you're listening to, leave us a review. If you're not loving what you're listening to, search Straits Reading and exactly. give, and leave give them, them one star. Gays Reading. Gays Reading. We, Brett, we don't have enough singing on this episode. We really don't. We don't. We, don't. we have to figure out if we can harmonize. Mm-hmm.